You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits, B Pro Kennels, Final Rise, and a Nook Shook Professional Dog Food. Big thanks to our title sponsor, B Pro Kennels. B Pro Kennels is a small business creating ultra high quality and custom dog boxes for the gun dog owner like you and I. No matter how big your string of dogs, B Pro Kennels will make sure you have a box that fits your needs for you and your gun dogs. With an innovative storage design and built in solar panel and battery bank for quick access to charging accessories like dog collars, lights, fans, you name it. This is a dog box unlike anything you've seen before. Check them out at bprokennels.com. Oh, and they're made right here in the USA. And this is presented by Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, the world's highest energy dog food, period. Anook Shook's dense formulations ensure your pup in training and your seasoned bird dog get what they need to succeed in the field. High protein for muscle recovery and retention, high fat for quick access to much needed energy. Anook Shook works hard so your dogs can work harder. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. This podcast is also presented to you by Final Rise. All good things start with a solid foundation. At Final Rise, all three of their premium Upland vests are built around the foundational waist belt to provide you all-day comfort and endless customization. With a secure waist belt and thin, high-quality shoulder harness, this is the vest you can load down with birds and walk all day in. Final Rise is creating high-functioning Upland gear that delivers comfort, balance, and a lifetime of memories. Check them out at finalrise.com. And this podcast is sponsored by Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field-tested and family-approved. For over 33 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best-bred Epignol Breton in the country. Trinity offers puppies, the Trinity Upland Academy with George Hickox, started dogs, stud services, and a whole lot more. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and it is good to be back with you guys today. Um, I'm sorry this episode is a little bit late in the week uh, getting out to y'all. We've just been stupid busy around my house. Um, Obviously, the new baby, uh, kids back in sports, school, uh, the wife just started back at work. My my work is just bananas right now, and uh, it's just been been a little hectic around the the Larson household. So uh, you do what you gotta do. Um, it is what it is, and so we are back with you today, uh, releasing this on a thing a Thursday. I don't know if I've ever released a Thursday episode, but we're uh, we're going for it. So, anyways, guys, um, I'm gonna make this intro kind of short. Uh, just a couple quick house keeping items. Um, the Patreon fall giveaway for September. Um, I contacted a winner of the September giveaway. I'm giving him a couple more days to get back to me. I'm going to give him till Friday to get back to me. Um, if this uh, person I drew does not get back to me, I'm going to redraw the September winner and uh, I'll contact you on Patreon or Instagram. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if the winner does not get back to me in the next 24 hours. Um, so I've emailed them, sent them a message on Patreon. So we're going to, we're going to show some grace and give one more day until Friday. And then, uh, whoa, I almost dropped my pen in my coffee. Um, 
and then uh, yeah, we'll redraw if I don't hear back. So uh, prizes up for grabs still are the Gunner Fan Kit 2.0, which is their brand new fan kit. Uh, you can attach it to any kennel, really. Uh, it works really nice on a Gunner, obviously, but it also attaches to a Rufflin, r- pretty much anything you have. It's going to work really, really well. Um, and then the other prize is going to be a Cable Gangs tie-out system, either a two-dog system with ground stakes or a four-dog system without ground stakes. So you got some options of sweet prizes still up for grabs, and then we also had the month of October. So we got some uh, some cool stuff happening there. Sign up for as little as five bucks a month. And uh, yeah, get entered into some prizes, help support the podcast, which I greatly, greatly appreciate. Uh, again, whether you're on a, a $5 plan, $10 plan, $20 plan, whatever it is, Thank you for uh, helping support the podcast. I try to uh, offer uh, offer you guys some some bonuses and, and some incentives like giveaways and, and cool things like this. Discounts on hats. Uh, you get a discount on Upland Rookie Hats being a Patreon uh, supporter. So I try to offer those things to you guys. But um, if you just say, hey, I just want to support the podcast through that. I don't really care about the, the giveaways and the, and the bonus stuff that's amazing and thank you i really thank you for doing that um means a ton again covers things like hosting fees equipment other subscription stuff i have to pay for so really means a lot okay um i mentioned hats still have i think i think i have every style a couple hats of every style available still of upland rookie hats so get your hat orders in i will get those shipped out as quick as i can uh, I think I only have a few of the uh, the old school camo sage grouse hats left, but then everything else I have a, a few left of those. I have a couple blaze orange uh, pheasant hats, and we're getting into pheasant season here. So um, check out my Instagram highlights. I have all the hats listed. Uh, you can see the hat numbers. Just shoot me the hat number you want, shipping address, and then we'll get the payment figured out uh, for those. So get those while they last. I am probably never going to do a hat order again after this. It's just so much work going to the post office, uh, getting them designed, all that kind of stuff. So get your hats, uh, get your hat order in. I would love to get these out to you. I'll throw some stickers in as well. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So um, other than that, today's episode, I got Ben Proctor on uh, from B-Pro Kennels. Uh, ben delivered my uh, my dog box Um Gosh, about a month ago, yeah, about a month ago, and so I've been uh, I've been living with this uh, this three hole dog box from B Pro Kennels, and uh, I've had it on several hunting trips, and uh, it's been everything I've wanted and more. Uh, ben and I obviously get into uh, the design of the box, the the story of, of of him and his company, and just kind of what he's doing and what led him to start building these these custom dog boxes, and some of the features we get into a little more detail on like okay why, uh, tell us more about uh, the design, the battery bank, the solar panel idea, and all that kind of good stuff. So. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone um, had a great September. It's kind of crazy to think that September's over and we are already in October, which is kind of wild. Um, I know we're getting closer to pheasant season. I know some of you are just counting down the days <laughs> until that until that happens. Um, it'll be here before we know it. And so um, keep tagging the Upland Rookie Podcast in those uh, posts you're making online. I've gotten several, several of those and uh whether it's in a post, a story, I don't care. I love seeing uh, what you guys are experiencing and I uh, would love to reshare some of those online. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, kind of the main two. We do have a YouTube
YouTube channel. So check that out. Have a, just a couple of videos up there. And uh, yeah, be sure to leave a rating and review if you would. Uh, if you haven't left one already on Apple Podcasts, would greatly appreciate um, you guys heading over there, leaving a rating and review. And uh, once we hit 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, I need to come up with a giveaway for that. So, um, and yeah, so more details will come on that, but that's, that's kind of the next goal. So let's, let's get 200 reviews on Apple podcast and, uh, then we'll do some kind of sweet giveaway and, uh, eh, everyone will be entered. So we'll make it, we'll make it fun. We'll make everyone, uh, everyone have a chance at some, some cool. So anyways, guys, we're going to jump right into the episode with Ben Proctor of B pro kennels. So, uh, but how was the, how was the drive out? I know it was, it was a little haul from, uh, from Salt Lake. So yeah, I love it though. I love, I love road trips. I love yeah. the longer, the better. Um, so yeah, eight hours is right about the start, right about the, the, the point where you really start to get comfortable and like yeah. your legs are numb. You can just go for another 10 yeah. hours. So <laughs> you're a rare breed. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it also helps. Like you, you told me yesterday, it's like without kids in the car, it's oh, yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. Daddy, would, I, gotta, I gotta go pee. Yeah. I gotta go pee. And then they're just like, you kind of zone out and then they're like yelling at you and you're like, wait, what did you just ask? <laughs> like, why is the sky blue? It, ha- it happens. Dude. Dude, try doing it with eight people. Yeah. Or seven even. Oh, we, did, we did it with Chicago last year for Christmas. Yeah. And oh my gosh. It was. That would be so I mean, rough, between yourself, the wife, the kids, like someone either has to eat, pee, poop, something. Yeah. <laughs> like someone's touching someone. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a little crazy. Do you bring your, uh, do you bring your shotgun and uh, Colorado license for some bluegrass? I brought or? my shotgun just because okay. by default, it never leaves the truck during sure. hunting season. Um, but no, no license yet. Okay. So we'll have to plan a trip to come back out. And, Absolutely. And uh, see if we can shoot some trees. And yeah. <laughs> There you go. I, I definitely want to get out to Utah. You and, should. It and is hunt so some bluegrass fun. out there, man. Yeah. I, uh, I got the bug. It, my, was yeah. it last weekend I was out there? Yeah. yeah right before the baby was born. And, uh, dude, it was fun. They're like, so fun. Kind of addicting fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I was only gonna go out one day. Then I came home and I was like, honey, you, you okay if I go out tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, go for it. So I got two days in and yeah. it was, it was freaking awesome. It's awesome because it's, the terrain is so pretty and it's so cool and it's so rugged. It's, there's something fun to, about hunting, you know, pheasants or huns out in the prairie but up in the high timber and the thick woods and there's just something different about it. It's it really so was. It, it, you kind of feel like you have this little burst of energy afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like you just like did a workout. Yeah. I don't work out typically. So it felt like <laughs> I was like, all right, got a workout in, got my dogs, you know, ran, yeah. got some birds. Yeah. I've exercised for the year. So we're good. Yeah, exactly. My watch was like going off like crazy. It's like yeah. you completed. Like, are you going to die? Yeah. Probably. Exactly. Heart attack, heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll have to make it happen, man, and yeah. uh, get out there, see some new uh, new country. So, yeah. How was uh, Nebraska? Was that Nebraska? So hot. It was so freaking hot, dude. It was. <laughs> I was on on the end of a couple of my of my morning walks. Like I was mm-hmm. just waiting to get back to camp in the shade. Like right. I was just like, oh dear lord. <laughs> like, but you camped right. Like you didn't get like an Airbnb. You didn't. Get no, I camped. Hotel. So it was like there's no escaping the heat. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the tough part. Is like, okay, I'm in the heat. Yeah. Like, all day long. You're trying to find excuses to like run to the gas station so totally. you can be in the AC. Well, it was so far removed though from the yeah. gas. So it was like 35, 40 minutes just to like, just to a gas station. That yeah. was like old school pumps and stuff. Right. Like, Do I want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Is it worth it? <laughs> so it was, it was rough. I mean, I found birds there each of the last several years and it's been great. Um, this year we, we didn't move a bird. Um, we were there. That's rough. 
a day of scouting before season and then that Thursday, Friday and did a walk in the morning, a couple walks, uh, ran wind, ran gauge and just nothing, man. Um, so it's, again, weather, bird numbers, all that good stuff. But um, so we're like, all right, we're going to readjust. We're going <laughs> to make a new plan. Yeah. Came home uh, later on Friday. And, and you were just solo, right? Yeah. Like you didn't have anyone with you? Yeah, just solo. Met up with a, a buddy out there. Uh, we did a, a dove hunt one evening because yeah. uh, it was too hot to run dogs. So. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it was good. It was an experience, but that's it was, hard. It was fun. So definitely the highlight was, was getting effort into the mountains when it was cooler. Yes. Like that, that alone was the best part. Like yes. just being in cooler temps, the dogs weren't overheating. Like, yeah, it was, it was nice. Did you take both win and gauge? And, and Mac. How'd he do? Did he just kind of. Oh, he, I mean, he was pointing birds left and right, man. Was he really? Blind retreat. No. <laughs> No, he was good, man. He, uh, he, he was a trooper. He, uh, you know, learned how to just be in the car, you know, yeah. be on the cable gang tie out system. Like, so it was kind of a, just a acclimate him to the truck mm-hmm. and, and camping life kind of stuff. Yeah. So this um, is your new life. This, used to it. Yeah, pretty much. Honestly, like this yeah. is, you eat outside in the campground, you mm-hmm. in the kennel for a little bit. So like those things were good for him. Like he learned how to for sure travel, I guess. Yeah. So that's fun. Didn't didn't bark us out of the campground, which is, <laughs> which is nice. I was worried about that because he's got yeah. a little little bit of a voice on him. So yeah. I was a little nervous. So was, nothing is more frustrating than when dogs are barking when they shouldn't. You're like, oh, shut up. Yeah. And like there's only yeah, the only the only way to get him to shut up is put him in the kennel. And that's right. it's like I don't want to, but right, right. <laughs> you're like, I'm, I'm getting close. <laughs> We're getting close to that point. Um, well, Ben, I'm super excited, man. We're going to, uh, dive in a lot more on, uh, B pro, uh, B pro kennels, uh, the dog box you just dropped off in my driveway, which I'm very, very excited about. Sweet. Um, but I want to get to know you a little, little yeah. bit more, talk about, about your, uh, your hunting and kind of, uh, we'll kind of back up a little bit. Like, sure. did you, did you grow up in a hunting family or, or how, what was your journey into upland hunting? So hunting was definitely a part of our family. Um, So my grandpa on my dad's side, he was a trapper for the government in Southern Utah. So hunting is like a big part of our family, even though I think when my dad got older and got married, um, hunting was just so routine that it wasn't something that he like carved out time to go do because he did it so much with his dad growing up that it wasn't like. So like we did a lot of camping, we went on a lot of trips, we went to a lot of national parks and forests and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I was um, probably like 11 or so, I had a friend move into the neighborhood and their family were like total freaks about hunting. Like they would travel all over the West to go hunt big, you know, mule deer and elk and bighorn sheep. And as a way to kind of just pass the time, they would go do pheasant hunts. and back when we were kids, uh, pheasant hunting in Utah was a still a little bit, um, there was still a really good population when we were kids. There was a lot of habitat that was still there. And so whenever I would sleep over at his house, they'd say, hey, we're going pheasant hunting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of pheasant hunting with, with the Cleggs growing up. And then um, just as I got older, I kind of went back into the workforce and like got a job and started growing up. And um, then it hunting kind of took a backseat, even though I still loved the outdoors. We were always camping, um, stuff like that. But it wasn't until really I was married that hunting started to take the forefront and become um, more of a passion and kind of um, reconnect with all that. Sure. So the year that we got married, um, it was probably six, seven months before we got married. I took my wife up. We went and picked out our dog. 
that was our first short hair. So, so you jumped in with a dog. You're like, yep. hey, we're, I'm going I'm going back into this. Like, yes. we got the dog, we're going. Yep. And it was kind of a double-edged sword because I wanted to go hunting. And I knew that if I had a dog, that would be kind of the reason to go hunting. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side to that was, you know, if I want to go hunting, I need a dog. Sure. So it was kind of like... <laughs> so all, all roads lead to getting a dog. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> pretty much how it ends. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about any of these hunting breeds at the time. It was just... I remember seeing short hairs and not knowing at all what they were. Um, and I had to do some research to kind of like figure out what those dogs were that I had seen when I was growing up. And um, it was more or less just like, I really liked how they looked. I liked their style. I liked, you know, when they would go on point, I liked all that stuff. I thought it was really cool. And so I didn't check anything with breeders. I didn't know anything about what to look for. It was like, I just want this breed of dog. And I I know what I saw in the, in the magazine. (laughs) I know what I, you know, I want that. Yeah. So luckily it turned out to be awesome. And he's a, he's a rock star. Um, He's a complete turd though. He's so stubborn. Which one's that? Your older one? He's a male. He's, his name's Otto. Otto. Okay. Yep. So he's my old, he's six now. So, um, it was kind of sad because he had so much energy all the time. And till the end of last season, Mm, I really started to see him really slowing down. And, um, so it was kind of sad because he's slowing down, but he has all this knowledge now. Sure. Oh yeah. So it's kind of this. So mentally he's like, he's like a pro. Yeah. But now, now the body starts, yeah, mm-hmm. starts again, not saying it's, he, you know, old mm-hmm. geezer out there, but like yeah, he's, he's getting up there. So when we go do a longer hunt, it, it takes him a day or two to recoup and, sure. and things like that. Um, but he's got so much knowledge now and he's, yeah. he's still really stubborn. He holds points, but then he likes to break them. Sure. <laughs> but his nose is so freaking good. Really? He's, he's awesome. So I'm excited for this year to have him slow down a little, sure. stay closer a little um, more methodical, yep. how he's working. Yeah. And, uh, that's yeah. exciting, man. It's so exciting to see that. Awesome. To, like to have that older dog, like mm-hmm. kind of a nice thing. Like it is to have the dog with the knowledge and the brains to go, okay, I've done this. I've, mm-hmm. I've figured out how to work these birds. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. That's where it becomes really fun. I think it's really cool. Cause you, you see him and you anticipate him making the same mistake, yeah. but then you see him like go on point and then he'll like relocate. And then the bird stays mm. like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, oh, you figured something out. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm not dumb and I'm not smart enough to know what you just figured out. But, but I know it's cool. But it is cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And what's your, so you have two, right? Yeah, what's yeah, your, have two uh, short hairs. Okay. Um, we just picked one up just this last year. She's a female and she's tiny. Like mm. she is full grown probably. And she's like 40 pounds. It's my kind of dog, man. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I was really bummed because I was like, I want like another big short hair. Sure. But she just never grew. Like yeah. she just was yeah, just maxed out. And pretty like tall and leggy or no, just short. Like, oh, really? She's probably not much bigger than like Gager Wynn. Really? Like they're, she's a tiny little short okay. hair. So I'm excited for her. Oh, yeah. She's she, off she the fit, training right she now. She fit perfect in that, in that yeah. three-hole box right there. <laughs> she's yeah. like, that's my kind of my yeah. box. Yeah. So, yep, yeah. she's off to training right now. There's a guy in, in Utah um, who's just like 20 minutes from me. He has a company called Utah Bird Dog Training. Okay. His name's Tice Erickson, and he's a stud. That's awesome. So she's off with him for about four months. So okay. she'll, she'll be back by uh, end of October. Oh, great. Yeah. Perfect. Just getting yep. just getting ramped up, right, yep. for bird season. Yep. And- so we'll pick her up, and then like that following week is when we leave for our uh, big South Dakota trip. Okay. 
So nice. it'd be fun to see her out and, in the and field. How, and how old is she again? She just turned a year. Okay, nice. Yep. Oh, so she's, I mean, she's going to have a blast this season. Yeah. Getting, getting yep. the rips and birds and just yeah. have a blast. And Yeah, so I'm excited because we'll have like this young dog that's got all this energy and this big motor. And then we'll have this old smart dog that yeah. doesn't have the motor, but has all the wisdom. So. Totally. It'll be a nice combo. Yeah. Well, uh, any, other, any other dogs going out there with you on the South Dakota trip? Or? Yeah. So my buddy, Nick, um, we make this big trip every year with me, Nick, and Brian, um, and then this year, hopefully one of our friends, Brandon, he's a firefighter. He's coming out with us. Oh, nice. So Nick has a short hair as well. So it'll be three short hairs and yeah. four idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good, a yeah. good time, right? In South Dakota. Recipe for a good time. <laughs> Are you primarily just going to target uh, pheasant or going to look for some chickens or anything out yeah, there? Yeah. So we're going to do a couple days in the Fort Pierre grasslands and we'll chase sharptails and prairie chickens. And then we'll go up towards Aberdeen and, okay. and do pheasants and yeah. I've never, I've never done the big, you know, traditional South Dakota pheasant hunt. So it's, it's on my list someday. Stupid fun. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like the first year we went, um, it was miserable and that's what made it so fun. <laughs> like we didn't see anything and we were up there for like a week. Um, like we, we probably shot four board, four birds the entire week we were there. <laughs> it was just awful. <laughs> there was just so much water and it was so cold. Oh. Um, but it was a blast and we were just hooked. So yeah. It's it's really to the point now where like we don't even care if we shoot anything. It's just fun to go up and so walk these fields, sharing and a field out. with your buddies yep. and your dogs. It's so fun. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, oh, I'll have to get up there yeah. someday. You and, should. Yeah, I, I need to for sure. Um, ben, when you when you think back on again getting into hunting, you know, around around the time you got married, you mm-hmm. kind of really getting back into it. You got your bird dog. You're like, all right, let's let's do this. Yeah. Thinking back then, so that's what five six years ago. Yep. Something like that. Like, I guess, what do you know now that you wish you knew? then like just getting started you know those five or six years ago now being into it like what's what's something that i guess how have you evolved as a hunter uh and what are maybe some some takeaways surprisingly or unsurprisingly i haven't learned much (laughs) Uh, um the big takeaway is habitat Hmm. and you're trying to look for certain things and it's like utah has so much grouse up in the mountains and it's not so much of if they're there or not, it's trying to find the habitat that they're going to be living in. You know, what are they, what do they like to eat? What do they like to, to feed on? Um, what times of the day are they up in the trees? What time of the day are they down in the ground? Um, what side of the mountain are you hunting? You know, is it North facing, South facing, you know, things like that, that you start to learn and kind of key in on. And, um, one of the big ways, and it sounds super nerdy, but I started keeping like a hunting journal. Oh, nice. Um, and that just started last year and I was able to really quickly start picking up patterns oh, on that's great. where we were successful and where we weren't. And then we would make kind of some slight pivots and slight changes and then we'd have more success. And then, you know, we would change a little bit and we'd, you know, evaluate and then we'd change some things and we'd have more success after that. And so a lot of it is just trying to learn from your mistakes. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really not the guy that when we go hunting, I'm trying to find like all these honey holes and like, I'm just there to have fun. Sure. Like we're up in the mountains, you're hearing elk bugle, um, you're in the thick timber, you're watching your dog. Like that's just a win. That's yeah. a win for yeah. me. So just, just being out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So not that we don't want to shoot birds. Sure. You know, <laughs> that's, that's we're all there for. That's but. we're all there for, but um, it really is almost secondary. Like yeah. The main reason is just to be out there with friends or even just by yourself. And then secondary is yeah. trying to find birds. I, I, that's that's such a pivot point I feel for hunters, mm-hmm. and that's that's 
that's what puts a smile on my face is when that, the tipping point, you go from, you're all about kill, you're all about mm-hmm. kill as many birds as you can, get your limit and get out of there. Yeah. When you, when you transition from that mindset to what you're talking about of, of just being out there, yeah. you know, watching good dog work, being in nature, like that's when it becomes like, oh, this is, this is yeah. why, I do, you know, this yeah. is what motivates you to get up in the morning. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've, I've had so many experiences where you get up on this like really cool overlook and the sun's setting and the sun's rising and it's like this really cool Kodak moment. So I'll pull out my phone, I'm getting pictures of the dog or whatever. And like 20 feet away, these birds get up. You're like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, you're like well, yeah, I guess, yeah. I knew what I was getting into. Totally, yeah. I knew that I, I was taking the risk by pulling out the, the phone. The risk, and, as soon as you reach into that pocket, yeah. as soon as you do, there's yeah. gonna be some birds there. Like sometimes you're convinced like the only reason that the bird was there is because I pulled the phone. Yeah. So you're like, somehow you willed it into being. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally, man. It was, yeah. Blue grouse was a whole new experience for me. Um, again, I've talked to some folks that of like, all right, how do I do this? Where do I look? What, you know, what, what are some things I look for? And, um, you know, again, starting out for blue grouse, like it was really helpful to start driving. I drove a bunch of, of fire right. roads and all sorts of things just to like, okay, I'm going to find a bird driving first. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I did. I found, yeah. found, okay, here's some birds and, and stepped out of my truck and looked around like, all right, this is where, this is like you said, what time mm-hmm. and started to make some like mental notes of like, all right, yeah. this is get you in the right area. Then from there, just freaking had a blast of like, yeah. Hey, look in this darker timber this time of day. And, and yeah. sure enough, that's where they were. Yeah. And as soon as you figure it out, they'll switch it on you. And yeah. They're in the spot that you're <laughs> Don't not tell looking. me that. Don't yeah. tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I figured them out. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So are you primarily hunting grouse in Utah or yeah. what's kind of your makeup of, of upland hunting there? Um, yeah. So we'll do like, we basically do everything, just grouse, roughed and blues. Um, oh, that's right. You have roughed as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and they see, all kind of intermingle. <laughs> yeah. They all kind of intermingle to a certain extent. Um, as the season progresses, the mountains get socked in with snow, so you can't get up as high. Um, and then we'll chase chucker occasionally, you know, we're not total psychos, so we don't chase them all the time. <laughs> like, like final rise, Matt, and those guys, <laughs> sure. um, we're not complete psychos. <laughs> I mean, um, we got, we got kids, we got dad bods. I mean, <laughs> <you're> right, <laughs> exactly. we're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's so brutal. Um. But yeah, mostly mostly grouse huh. and 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 um, the mountain grouse, and then occasionally we'll go out to like a preserve and shoot pheasants, just because okay. it's shooting Prim- fish in a barrel. I was gonna say pheasants are primarily now preserved kind of yeah. in Utah. Okay. Yeah, Utah releases birds during their pheasant hunt, and so we have like a really tiny population mm-hmm. of like wild pheasants, true wild pheasants. But almost every pheasant you shoot is either farm raised, and the the state releases them, or you're going to a preserve. Sure. Okay. So, and that's fun. It's just yeah, get a bunch of buddies and just go blast a bunch of pheasants. Yeah, and totally. That's there's something fun about that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's super fun. And then um, we try to do like one big, big trip, and that's usually South Dakota every year. Okay. So we'll go up there for a week or ten days or something like that. Nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one thing I was gonna ask you, I don't think I've ever asked anyone this about grouse. So do rough grouse are they the same as blues? Where they go, they, they reverse migrate and go I higher? I don't as well? think so. I think okay. it's only blues that reverse migrate. Okay. And they go higher the colder it gets. Gotcha. Um, I think roughs stay lower. Okay. Um, 
and clearly I'm the expert at it. So you can, no reason to fact <laughs> if check. Someone out there, yeah. if someone out there knows the correct answer, yeah. <laughs> either, either back Ben up, yeah. <laughs> confirm yeah. it or, or let us know. That's awesome, man. What we're uh, thinking about last season, uh, what were maybe some, uh, maybe kind of a highlight for you or something that stood out as a favorite memory, um, you know, something that made last season, uh, extra special. Yeah. Um, last season, the, the thing that really was kind of fun is to see your dog really, really start to dial in and really figure stuff out. And like I said, he'll, he would go on points and then, you know, he would relocate and like, he could kind of tell where the bird was and you could kind of relocate and put pressure on it so that we would kind of box in the birds. Um, and for a lot of it, my dog, all the pheasant exposure he'd had were on, um, like preserves and farm raised pheasants. And so when we went out to South Dakota last year, like something just really clicked with him and he was able to lock up on point on a lot of wild roosters. That's awesome. And it was really, really fun to see all that happen. Um, but aside from that, I mean, like sometimes like the worst hunts are the best, like you don't see anything, something happened. It was super rainy. It was nasty weather. Um, and then like looking back, you're like, that was, that that was was awesome. It was super fun. (laughs) So that kind of all ties back into like why you're really there. Sure. So like, um, like, like I said, I don't even care if we shoot anything. Like, sure. It's just going out is the yeah. best part. Yeah. Amen. So, Amen yeah. to that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, I'd love to transition a little bit into, uh, B pro kennels yeah. and, uh, I want to kind of uh, learn a little bit, uh, I guess the story, why, like what, sure. what led you to say, all right, I'm going to start making some custom badass dog boxes. <laughs> like yeah. what led you down that route? Mostly cause I'm an idiot and <laughs> thought I could. <laughs> um, um, no. So part of it was like, as a fabricator, you always just see stuff and you're like, I can build that. And then that leads into why don't I build that? Mm-hmm. And so I had seen all these like aluminum dog boxes from these different companies and you just look at them and you're like, there's no like style to it. There's no structure to it. It's literally like sheet metal that's bent and that's where it gets all of its strength. And yeah, that can be strong to a certain extent, but like I would just see these aluminum dog boxes and I'm like, why are these not held to the same standard as like your gunners that are like super, super strong, super well built. Um, but then tie it back into like metal, have like some design aspect to it sure. have like, you know, some storage have, like, yeah. it needs to do more than just hold your dog. Sure. And so a couple of years ago, I built one and I had this whole grand vision for it. And I just ran out of time before our South Dakota trip. So it, it looks awful, but I built this dog box and it was like the size of a refrigerator. It was <laughs> massive. And probably weighed heavier than. It was so heavy. It was so big. And like you could fit 10 of my dogs in each hole. Like it was <laughs> so overbuilt. And I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. I, I was just. Just kind of for fun. Like, yep. Yep. I was like, this is the size I'm going to make it. And, you know, come hell or high water, this is what it's going to be. And it was massive. And um, it was, that was a kind of a pivotal point because it was kind of a proof of concept. Like hmm. I could build this. I just ran out of time. So like all the things that I wanted to do, I just didn't have time for. So then later that next year, um, I had some sketches drawn up and I sat down with, um, my engineer who draws up a bunch of stuff for me and we sketched it all out and I had him get me all these files that we can go get laser cut. And so everything's like exact measurements, you know, exactly perfect. Um, and then I built the first one, which we took to South Dakota last year. Okay. 
and that was the one that was kind of more in line with the way that they look now. Okay. It was still pretty tall. It has storage inside and all that. Okay. Yep. Solar battery lights. It was still a little bit taller than I wanted um, or, you know, come to find out after it was too tall. Um, So then we made some changes to that and um, I started to get stopped every once in a while by people at like gas stations. Like, that's a sweet dog box. Like, who made that? And you're like, well, I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look too close because I made it. (laughs) Um, But then like everyone's like, you need to sell these. Like, no, like I have no interest in selling them. They're just for me. It's kind of like this rite of passage almost. Like before we go to South Dakota, I build a new dog box and then (laughs) I sell it. and, And so I had really no interest in it until people really started to kind of gravitate towards it and like, this is, you, you've got something here. So that's when um, I kind of doubled down. I made this other one and we took it to Pheasant Fest. And that's right. You were, um, so you were at Pheasant Fest 20, 2021? Just this year. Yep. Just okay. earlier this year. 2022. Oh, 2022. Yep. Okay, nice. So, so that was our first Pheasant Fest. And I was like, let's just try it. Like I called them up and I was like, how much is a booth? And they told me the price and I was like, I could swing that. And looked at how far Omaha was and it was like 17 hours. Like I could drive that in a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, we can do this. So just kind of gambled on it and yeah. took it out there and had a lot of really positive feedback, met a lot of really cool people. Um, and at that price point, it was, or at that time, it was really like this custom price. Like I, sure. it was kind of for how much I had put into it, I needed to have like a ton of money to get it, to make my money. Sure. But then I started to, to run the numbers. I'm like, if we can streamline this a little bit more like this can be a little bit more cost effective and and budget friendly if you will sure budget being a loose term um and so then that's kind of where it started and yeah. i was like let's just try it let's, let's just go let's for just it go from there and, yeah um i want to keep going with this a lot deeper but how was pheasant fest it's kind of sidetrack so fun was it yeah it was kind of um, I had no idea what to expect. I'd never even heard of Pheasant Fest. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So you're like, I'll, I'll show up, sure. Yeah, so I was like, I had no idea what this was. I was like, this is going to be like the biggest like white trash convention, like <laughs> Pheasant Fest, like, you know. Like, what am I going to? Yeah, but then like as I learned more, I'm like, okay, this is sponsored or put on by Pheasants Forever. And it's like this really big deal. Um, it's like this really kind of, if you will, prestigious um, trade show. And I had no idea about it. And so when I got there, I started to meet all these cool people. And I was right across the the aisle from the Flush TV. Oh, cool. Um, so I got to sit and chat with them. And um, it was a really, really positive experience. That's so it was cool. really cool. And I had no idea what to expect, but I was blown away. It yeah. was really cool. So we'll be back every year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've never been to one myself either. Yeah. I, I thought about doing one last year or this, this, this year, um, mm-hmm. cause it wasn't that Omaha is super close for me. Yeah. I was like, I thought I was like, I should do, it, I should do it. And uh, whatever. It didn't, didn't happen. Right. But, uh, I definitely want to get out there. Cause that sounds like a cool, just to, again, just to meet the people. Mm-hmm. And again, if you, you know, you have, a, you have a booth and yeah. things like that for, for B pro. You should, you should come cool. out. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. It yeah. should be fun. I think this next one's in Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Minnesota. So that'll be a little fun. bit further, but you know, yeah, it's like a day and a half drive. Yeah. Just hang yeah. out, hang out with your hunting buddies. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a good time right there. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to check it out. Um, okay, so we're going to back up even a little bit further, I guess. Yep. Um, so I, talk, I guess talk about your experience with welding and getting mm-hmm. into this kind of fabrication kind of, I guess, uh, career that you've been in. Like, like how did that start? Yeah. And we'll go from there. So um, I went to trade school for welding. Um, I guess backing up even further, when I was in high school, the the only real classes that I really gravitated towards and really excelled at were like the vocational skills, like woodworking, metalworking, um, things like that. I even did really good like in sewing and, you know, anything that you could like hands-on build stuff. 
And so that was kind of where I always knew that I had my strengths. And um, I was never really like big into school. And in hindsight, I wish I would have been like kind of buckled down more and, and studied harder. Um, but it wasn't until much later. So, so after high school, I went and served a mission for my church for two years. I went down to Texas. And it was awesome. And when I got back, I was just kind of lost. I didn't know really what I wanted to do. At that point, you're kind of an adult, and you're like, I need to start figuring life out. Sure. And so I bounced around from a couple different jobs, um, different, different, couple different uh, industries. And every time, I just kept feeling gravitated back towards welding. And so I knew that I was good at it from high school. I had a really awesome instructor um, who was way more of a te- or way more of a mentor than a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, at that time, he had graduated from teaching high school to now he was teaching the local tech school. Okay. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, how does this work? What's the tech program look like? So he got me, you know, everything that I needed, helped me get enrolled. And then I just like buckled down. Mm-hmm. And usually this whole program, this whole welding program usually takes about a year. And I think I finished it like in six months. Oh, wow. Like I just buckled down. So you I went like, all in. Yep. I'm like, yeah. this, is, this is what I'm doing. And I just plowed through it. And then kind of towards the tail end of school, I'm like, all right, I need to find a job. Um, I need to find a job that's in this career because I don't want to go, you know, back to working construction or something that's not in this field. I want to be in welding. I want to be in a metal shop. That's what I went to school for. So I started doing all this, you know, running around, trying to meet people, trying to, you know, just stop in to different shops, see if they were hiring. And um, with welding, nobody really wants to hire somebody that doesn't have experience. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really, it's a big risk for the business owner to take on somebody who doesn't know how to weld mm-hmm. or is just straight out of welding yeah, school. Fresh, yeah. Um, so I was getting kind of discouraged and I found this one company that was looking for, they were actually looking for a driver, but in the description it said welding would be a plus. Sure. So I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, I'm looking just for welding. And they're like, yeah, yeah, come in, come on in let's talk. So I went and met with him and he was like, unfortunately, we're really not looking for just a welder. And then I was like, well, what if I just work for free? Like, all I'm trying to do is just gain some experience so that if I do go to some other shop, I can say, I do have experience. I've sure. been in a metal shop. And he was kind of blown away. He's like, you want to just work for free? <laughs> You're like, yes, yeah. that's my offer. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, no brainer. Come on in. So I worked there for probably three or four months. And I went in every day and I just worked for free. Hmm. And then I got another job offer and... Um, the boss that I was working for for free found out. So he, he approached me and he was like, hey, we don't want you to leave. Like, we're, we're ready to pay you now. Oh, wow. Now that you're getting ready to leave. Now <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it happens, it happens. <laughs> so I ended up sticking out with them for a long time and kind of grew in that in that company, ended up running that whole metal department. And we went from like, when I was first hired on, that company had like seven employees to when I left, they had like over 100. Oh, wow. Um, so I was kind of running the whole metal department um, a little bit of like the assembly side and some other stuff like that. Sure. Um, was it kind of like, like just again, is, is all metal shops like just a lot of custom work? Is that generally how it is? Or yes, do, they have a fo- no. do they have a focus? This company built a product and their product was these remote security surveillance trailers. Oh, okay. So it was basically like a trailer that had this solar panel on it and these batteries and had this big telescoping mass that went up in the air and had cameras on it. So they would deploy them out to construction sites so the general contractor could have security on their job sites. Um, And now they're big enough now where, I mean, they're in all these Walmart parking lots. You might've seen them. They're like this white trailer in Walmart parking lots and they have these blue flashing lights and all these cameras on top. Yep, yep, totally. So that's the company that I worked for. Uh, Okay, okay. Um, 
And so we did a lot of custom fabrication in there because they were trying to, um, what's the word, um, advance their product, you know, always changing it, always making revisions, always trying to make it better. So we did a lot of custom fabrication with that in just building new parts and building new brackets, things like that. Sure. Um, and that's where you kind of learn, cut your teeth on fabricating and being able to look at something and almost reverse engineer it and see something and say, I know how that got mm, built. Okay. And then I can go get raw material and cut it all out and, and rebuild it. Sure. Um, so that was a huge, that was a huge blessing to be at that company for so long and to be given all those experiences. Um, in fact, that company, um, they got a contract for Colorado Department of Transportation, so CDOT. Okay. And CDOT approached them and said, we have all these locations all over our state that are bottlenecks for us because when the snow flies, we have to get a guy in the plow truck, drive all the way to the top of this mountain pass just to see if the snow is sticking. Mm. And it's a big um, financial sure. burden Time commitment. Burn, yeah. yeah. So they're like, we're losing all this money by just sending a driver out to some mountain road just see if the snow's sticking when in reality the snow's sticking 50 miles away from that guy. Sure. So like, we want you to come out and put all these cameras all along the state, hmm. all along these big mountain passes and big corridors and okay. stuff like that so we can log into the camera and see what the road conditions are like. And so for an entire summer, me and two other guys, we drove all over Colorado. Oh, wow. So like we went like every single back road oh that you God. can imagine <laughs> up every mountain pass. So you were, you were doing installation then? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was oh that was before I was married and they approached us, the guys out in the shop, and they're like, hey, we need a couple guys that are willing to just go live in Colorado <laughs> for like, a year. Sign me like, up. Sign me up. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, that's hilarious. So it was awesome. So anyways, if, if you're driving around Colorado and you see these big concrete poles along the side of the road and they yeah. have a camera on top, that was, that was me. Oh, that's yep. cool. Yep. So that's we, we cool. installed those. Oh, I'm going to be looking for those next time. Yeah. And <laughs> once you see them, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Once they stand out once, like, uh -huh. oh. Yep. <laughs> sort exactly. Of so anyways, that was kind of my origin story, if you yeah. will, on, on fabrication. Um. I grew with that company a lot until the point where, um, to no fault of anybody else, I just kind of topped out on pay. And there wasn't any more room for growth there. Um, and so I left, I you know, super good terms. But uh, I started my own company, my own nice. welding company. And that's when I started getting more into like the construction side of things. We do a lot oh. of ornamental handrail. We do a lot of structural steel beams. And then um, with my background of going through trade school and at that other company, I had learned how to do a lot of, um, it's called exotic metals, but that's okay. like your aluminum and your stainless and brass oh, okay. and, you know, more of a specialty okay. welding. And so that's kind of where um, I learned all that stuff. So in my welding company, I was able to offer up, I mean, basically you name it, sure. we can build it or fix it. So people would bring us like front end loaders that were all beat and destroyed and we cut stuff apart and, sure weld in stuff back together or um, like food grade sanitation, sanitary oh, stainless wow. pipe. Okay. We'd go and do all that stuff. And um, we did a lot of like really high-end stainless that had to be like really strict tolerances okay. and, and all that good stuff. And then, you know, that just kind of advanced more and more and more to the point where we started just building dog boxes. Yeah. So, <laughs> a natural, the yeah, natural, natural progression. progression right? Totally. Know. So what's next for us? Dog boxes. Yeah, it, everybody does it. <laughs> I mean, when you have some bird dogs at home, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's up there. And that's kind of the part of it that that's a good point where, um, when you have a certain interest, you kind of gravitate towards wanting to build stuff mm. for that interest. Sure. Um, like if you were really big into off-road and Jeeps and yeah. stuff, like you'd go get a Jeep and you'd build a roll cage and sure. build bumpers and 
go out and hammer on your Jeep and yeah. come back and fix it. Because it's fun. It's, it's yeah. like there's, there's your work and your knowledge base. Yes. And then you blend that with your kind of hobby passion. Like, yeah. this is perfect. <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of what happened with the the dog boxes were, um, I was like, how can I contribute like with my skill set to this? Sure. So I guess just build a dog box yeah, and let's not? see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> see, see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I think it went well. <laughs> so I, th- I think it went very well for you. Um, this is kind of a totally random welding question. Yeah. Can you, I, I don't know where I heard this. Can you not weld aluminum and stainless steel? Correct. That's correct. Okay. Yep. They're two dissimilar of, of alloys. Aluminum is a naturally occurring element. Okay. Stainless is an alloy. So they just don't, they they don't. You can't work with them, Mm-mm. so you can't even weld two pieces of stainless steel together. Or... You can. You can weld stainless to stainless. Okay, but, but you not... can't weld aluminum to stainless. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah. so you can. Okay, I, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. you, you couldn't even like weld stainless to stainless or things like yeah. that. Okay, yep. so you could weld like stainless steel to regular steel. A Nookshook professional dog food is designed to keep your hunting companion healthy, strong, and alert. Anookshuk's highly digestible, nutrient-dense formulas cut down on meal sizes, aiding in efficient digestion. Through a unique vacuum infusion process, Anookshuk packs more calories per cup than any other dry dog food on the market. Anookshuk is family-owned, Canadian-made, and is available in bulk, online, and through our growing network of trusted resellers. Find out more at anookshukpro.com. Although you'd lose attributes of the stainless steel, you know, wherever your weld would be, would not be a stainless steel metal. So that would obviously rust and fail. Gotcha. But if you needed to, you absolutely could. Okay. So that's cool. That's cool. I, I was yeah. homeschooled, so I did not do the whole <laughs> high school <laughs> shop. Uh, so yeah. my ma- mom didn't, uh, didn't teach that. So, yeah. well, I wasn't homeschooled or public schooled. I just <laughs> skipped school. <laughs> I mean, that's one option. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it worked out pretty well for you. Um, ben, can you take take me through, I guess, the process of the dog box construction right now? Sure. And, and not just construction, but kind of the design to finish product yeah. um, process. I'm curious on like what that looks like for someone. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone listening says, hey, I want to go down the route of a custom box. Like what does it look like behind the scenes, I guess? Sure. It really comes down to um, identifying what are priorities. So like, do you want it to be really strong where you could park your truck on top of it. Do you want it to be really lightweight? Do you want it to have these features? Do you want it to have solar or no solar or battery or lights or, you know, insulation? So it's, it's a matter of kind of identifying what the client's needs are first. And then we design it around that. It's mm-hmm. so like our, our two hole, which is kind of like our standard. The way that that one works is we build this entire skeleton, if you will, out of, out of aluminum tubing. It's really stiff, really rigid. And it, provides a lot of strength for the box. And that's where most of the strength comes from is this really stiff, rigid frame. Um, and then on top of that, then we put what's called the skins on it. So okay. the outer edges, the outer sides, and then we go get it powder coated. We bring it back. We put the insulation in, we add some more panels to it, um, wire in the lights, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the origin is tr- trying to find out, you know, what the client's needs are and what they're Sure. You know what so, they're so you, wanting. So you can get pretty granular and you can sure. be like, hey, if they don't want lights, mm-hmm. okay, fine, take them off. If they want, you know, an extra big solar panel, they can get an extra big yep. solar panel. So they can, yep. again, down to the smaller details. Yeah. Like I know when you and I were working, like we were even talking about, hey, what kind of tie down points do you want? And you exactly. send me a bunch of pictures of, hey, here's a couple options. And yeah. So you can get pretty detailed, it sounds yep. like. So, and just to put a caveat to that or an asterisk next to that, everything that we 
customize adds labor and and cost. Sure. So like our standard two hole, we've got that one pretty dialed in. It's like a cut and paste ready to go. You can obviously delete um, certain features that you don't want, or maybe you can't afford, or, sure. and that's that's to everybody's um, own discretion to figure out what their needs are and what they are willing to spend money on. Because it is kind of an expensive um, piece of gear. Sure. And so there's no reason to say either you have to have it the way I want it or you don't get it at all. Sure. Instead, it's like, what can you afford? What are your needs? What do you want it to do? And then let's work backwards and try to get as many of those as we can inside your budget. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that, that's key. That was one of the first things you and I talked about was like, hey, yeah. what's your budget? Like, what's what you're right. kind of looking at? And it's what's like, realistic? That's a great starting point because yeah. like you said, it's an investment. It's a, it's a cost. And so everyone's going to have a different, mm-hmm. you know, and different goals too. Like, right. I, you know, uh, vents that were like closable vents were super important to me. Right. And that was like a high priority to say, all right, Ben, like, can you figure out how to right. work this out? And you're like, yeah, I haven't done that yeah. really before, but let's do it. Like, right. And that's, that's the, um, that's the benefit to having all this experience with fabrication, having a full fab shop where like whatever you can think of, yeah, we can build it. Yeah. So really the sky is the limit. If you wanted it all out of stainless steel, like, yeah, we can do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you want it all out of, Two by fours. I'm yeah. probably not your guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you draw the line, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, when it gets into wood, that's where I, yeah, that's where I lose my expertise. <laughs> like, keep the metal. I'm good with metal. <laughs> but really, yeah, like anything that they can think of, we can design it. We can build it. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, can you talk about maybe some of the, I guess, the standout features of the dog box and sure. kind of what makes it different than your standard box out there? Yeah. So from conception, I was like. If we're going to build a dog box, I don't want it to just hold my dog. Yeah. Um, I want it to do more than that. It also needs to be incredibly strong so that I have peace of mind that my dogs are safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been in a wreck, but heaven forbid I get in a wreck, my dogs have to be safe. Just like you put your kids in the seatbelt. Sure. You know, our dogs are part of our family. They they have just as much right to be safe as my kids. Um and obviously, if we're just going to the gas station or whatnot, like maybe I'll just throw them in the back sure. of the truck and and do that way. But um, realistically, I got, I put my dog in the dog box anywhere we go. Yeah. Um, so that was that was from conception. It had to be really strong, and it had to do more than just hold a, hold a dog. So that's why I was like, okay, well, it's got to have storage. And it's got to have lids. It's got to have access to the storage. So if it's got this big, huge lid on the top. Instead of having all this wasted space, what else can we add to that? Okay, mm-hmm. we could put a solar panel inside that lid. And then if there's a solar panel, let's put batteries on it. And if it's batteries, let's add lights. And <laughs> it just kind of tear, yeah. teardrop from there. It really did. And it was like, mine as well. Like if, if we're if it's gonna live in the back of your truck, <laughs> let's put brake lights on it so yeah. that you have more road presence. Let's yeah. put marker lights so that when you're driving down the interstate late at night, that everyone around you sees this bright illuminated dog box and sure. knows you're there and, you know, that yeah, way. Kind nobody, of a safety standpoint too. Yeah, just, exactly. You know, I mean, it also looks super cool. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> Doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, but that was part of it. It was just like, it's got to keep the dog safe. It's got to be insulated. It's got to have nice doors, nice features. Um, and then, like I said earlier, like you can delete all of those if, sure. if those are not inside your budget or if you just don't want those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the conception was like, let's just build the Taj Mahal, if sure. you will, of dog boxes. Start and, here and then right. yeah, if someone doesn't want certain things. Right. I think I'm most curious about the solar panel. Now, sure. Like was that, again, I think I'm more so curious just on the, like how did how did you think to blend those two together? Like was it just like you were, you were thinking, okay, we have space, what can I put there, what can I put there? A little bit of that, but from the company that I worked for for a long time, we did a ton of solar. 
um, all of these security oh, surveillance right. with, with trailers in the parking lots. Yeah, yeah, they were all solar powered that would charge batteries. And just because I was like, I hated having all these cords in my truck, charging collars and phones and cameras, sure. and like it was just was a, such a bird's nest inside the cab. I'm like, is there any way to take some of that and put it in the dog box mm. in the storage? So let's put a battery in there, but then the battery needs a way to get power. So sure. let's put a solar panel on it. Yeah, and that was a little bit of a design headache trying to figure out how to seal that water or seal that solar panel sure. so that water wouldn't get into the into that storage compartment. So that was a little bit of a, some design challenges to to overcome. But ultimately, we kind of settled on the design the the design that we're at. Um, where it's pretty waterproof. It's not yeah. watertight, but you know, it's enough to keep elements out. And sure. you know, if you get a really nasty rain, you might get some water in that storage compartment. But the solar panel's sealed. Um, really the only place that water gets in is right right at the hinges, sure. right at the weak point. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the, the origin for the, the solar panel was we have all this extra space. You know, what else can we put on this to be a value add? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a huge huge ad for sure. Yeah, um, talk about the the battery bank and the solar panel a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I know I think my because of the three hole, yeah, a little bit more space mm-hmm. to do a little bit larger panel. Um, but what are some of the things I guess you can can run off this? Sure, you know, and how, how have you used it yourself? And yeah, so depending on how big of a dog box you get, you're obviously restricted to size to a certain extent. So in years we have this big 500 watt hour battery. It's got two. 120 volt plugs. It's got a whole bunch of USBs and micro USBs and like a 12 volt car input. Um, it's like you can like your specific battery on. Well, backing up a little bit further, we use a product called Goal Zero, okay. and the only reason we use them is they're really rugged, and they make a solar panel and a battery bank, so you can nice. plug and play them together. Um, so they work really well together. Um, but with your particular battery online, it says like you could run your, like your Traeger for like nine or 10 hours. You can run a microwave, you can run a mini fridge. Wow. So more often than not, we're not going to be using a mini fridge out in the field. <laughs> right, right. But it does speak to the fact that like you could charge all of your callers. Multiple times. Multiple times. And then. And that's just, and we're just talking just off one one full charge full charge and it's again, yep. with thinking about solar like we have to remember it's going to continually charge yes so it's always you can unplug the solar from the battery but more often than not you'll just leave it plugged in and so while you're driving from one field to the next or if you park your truck you know it's always charging the battery so when i was at pheasant fest i had all the lights plugged into my way my one little battery and that one was like a 200 watt hour battery and I left all the lights on for the entire day. And I think it went from like 99% full to like 79% full. Wow. Like in a full 10 yeah, hour day, yeah. like they're all LED lights. so They don't pull any power. Sure. But that does go to say like if you were charging your collars and your phone and your laptop and your, you know, collars yeah. and whatever else. You got options to mm-hmm. plug quite a bit in there. Yeah. And, you know, heaven forbid you, you know, drain that whole battery like in an evening or a night or a day, like because it's always plugged in. As soon as that sun comes out, it's charging again. Yeah. So that's really nice peace of mind. Just yeah. again, there's one thing of, of charging up a, a portable battery thing, bringing it with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's when it's drained, you need to go find power now. Right. To and then there is that out. aspect where if you do want, like if you go to a hotel or something like that, an Airbnb, you can take the entire battery out and go plug it into the wall. That's right. So you like showed all me that. Night yeah, long, yeah. it can be charging as well. So that first thing in the morning, Give if, yourself, you know, yeah. if you know tomorrow's going to be a really nasty day, it's snowy and, you know, 
the chances of the sun coming out are really slim. Yeah. You can just take it inside, charge the whole battery, and then you've got power on tap. Totally. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to yeah. get this thing uh, on its inaugural uh, yeah. hunt with me. So, and I use those floodlights, those LED floodlights. I use those for everything. Mm. Um, this last summer, we were making these cutting boards for my mom. We were going to like some family reunion, and she wanted these cutting boards. And so late at night, I went out to the truck, dropped the tailgate, turned these floodlights on, and I'm like, sanding these perfect <laughs> these uh cutting boards right on the tailgate because yeah. i had all this light available so yeah that's i mean a little work workspace mm-hmm. whether you're camping or you right. know, working in your driveway like yep. to have that added hey let's let's light up the area and yeah like most times when you're hunting in the evening you're getting back to your truck after dark sure and so i always like to just give my dog a once over you know yep. it's nothing super thorough but i just want to rub yeah, down their whole body just, eyes, yep. yeah make sure they don't have any big gashes. And then when I get home, I'll do a little bit more of a thorough check, but put the dog up on the tailgate. You have all this light. You're checking their paws, their underbelly, their yeah. ears, their eyes, making sure that they're good to go. Because how many times have we all done, like we yes. got the phone in one hand or maybe exactly. a headlight we're trying to like look at our dog. Yeah, and... or your friend has a phone phone light, but he's sure. off looking at something else. Like the, the light drifts <laughs> totally. and you're yelling at like, him. Light, light over here, yeah. <laughs> this way. PTSD from, yeah. from dad growing up. Um, <laughs> So there's that aspect of it. And then obviously like when you're putting your gear away and you're, you know, trying to wipe down your gun or, you know, take down your gun, you have all this light, you can, you can illuminate your tailgate. If you're cleaning birds right there on your tailgate, you've got all the light you need. Totally. You've got power if you needed to, to run something else. Yeah. So. I mean, even for again, I'm, I'm thinking about all the hunting scenarios, all the like you know, taking your kids camping, yes. things like that, like cooking on tailgate. Like mm-hmm. I'll bring my little uh, portable, you know, portable grill and yes, until uh, on tailgate. But like having like a surface lit up like that's yeah, gonna be pretty nice to. And your your box has four lights. It lights up the yeah. entire area. I'm sure, awesome. <laughs> it's got some power. Yeah, it's so rad. Oh my gosh. Um, talk about, um, so let's talk about my specific box a little bit more. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, mine's on top of a decked drawer system. Right. And so we were able to go pretty darn wide. Right. And so, uh, I guess talk about, uh, some of, were there any unique challenges with my box? Cause I think this was one of your first three holes you made. Yep. So okay. yep, you were the first person that really pulled the trigger on the three hole. And a lot of it was designing on the fly, um, we obviously wanted to get it to you for this season, for this hunting season. So it was kind of some some rapid prototyping was happening. And um, our standard four hole or standard two hole is quite a bit taller. I think it's maybe 10 inches taller than than what yeah. yours is right now. Yours is 28. I think, I think the standard two hole, I've got all these numbers in my head. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want to say the standard two hole, maybe it's not 10 inches. I think it's maybe 30. Yeah, thir- this is a 34 high, yeah. 34 inches high. So it's a little bit shorter. Or your three holes a little bit shorter. And that's because you're on that deck system. We yeah. wanted to stay below the, your cab the line. Cab, that's really important is, mm-hmm. is we are below the cab line still. So yep. I'm on a 2017 F-150 with a decked. Yes. And we're still two and a half, three inches. Yeah. Something like that below yep. the cab line. So, yep. so that there's, gives you a little bit of clearance. So if you were in a rollover, you know, you know hopefully the dog box holds up its end of the deal yeah. and holds up the, the, the bed side, totally. uh, but keeps your dog safe. Um, and then because of your deck, you don't have wheel wells anymore. Yeah. And so we were able to go way wider. Yeah. So we were able to use up all the real estate in your bed. Yeah, I think I wrote down, I think we went 58 mm-hmm. wide. Yep, 58 yeah. inches wide, which I think on your bed, we probably have like an inch and a half to two inches on each side. Yeah. So it's a pretty snug fit, but it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and and, and I think get, we did that to, to get a little bit extra room in mm-hmm. each of the compartments. Exactly. And 
I think that's probably about as narrow as we'd want to go yeah. on a three hole. Um, otherwise you get really tiny, thin compartments and, you know, for a dog, like a short hair, like a medium sized sure. to big sized dog, that's, that's not happening. Sure. On, on your dogs, the sizes that they have currently are like perfect. Yeah. I think those are going to be just perfect for your size dogs. Yeah. 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 Someone's got that 40 to 45, mm -hmm. maybe even 50 pound dog. Like sure. They're going to, they're going to get in there really well. Yeah. I threw my dog in, in your box and he's almost 70 when he's at his thickest, you know, midsummer when he's a yeah. chunky as charged kind of guy. <laughs> um, but he fits in there just fine. It's a little bit tight, a little bit of tight of a squeeze for him to turn around and lay down, but he did it just fine. Yeah. But I think the the sweet spot is like your your size of a dog. Yeah, yeah. 40, 50 pounds. That's, that's perfect. We got to get them in there. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta yeah, get, we do. Let, let them try it out. <laughs> I tried to toss my kids in there, but they they, they weren't having it. <laughs> yeah, your kids are pretty smart. So. Yeah, they're like, I'm good. <laughs> Something's fishy. I am good. Uh, talk a little bit about um, the vent configuration. Mm -hmm. Again, that was, that was one of the kind of the top priorities for me to have vents that were yep. you know closable uh, in the winter, keep the heat in and open them up. Um, you had to do some some get some tricky work with those. Yes, huh? that give you any trouble? Um, a little bit. The the big issue with those was um, if we were to leave everything raw aluminum, which you can do, you don't have to powder coat it. Aluminum has corrosion resistance properties, so it doesn't rust. Um, it'll hold up really well to the elements. But if you wanted to powder coat it, powder coat adds a thickness to the metal. And when you're having these vents that are sliders instead of like big louvers, like a lot of the other companies do, mm. um, which are fine, they're just really bulky and um, they don't have any design aspect to them. So they're just sure. really big and clunky. So having these sliders that are really low profile, um, you have to take into account not only the thickness of your aluminum, but also the thickness of the powder coat. And, you know, there's all these different layers that are getting powder coated and all those tolerances start to stack. And so you're trying to find this happy balance of, you know, how much powder coat is too much mm -hmm. and what's not enough. And so a lot of that's trying to to dial that in. Sure. And then with a lot of those sliders, just by, you know, way of designing them, you can't have certain like set screws to like pinch the slider to hold it in place. Um, Aluminum is a soft enough metal where that would start to mar it and okay. create big gouges. And then that would cause problems down the road. So... Um, not to say that we wouldn't ever entertain stuff like that, but the way it is right now, I think we've got it pretty dialed in. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we're always improving. We're always looking for better and faster and stronger ways to do things. But as it sits right now, I think it's a, a really good, happy medium. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it covered all the bases of, you know, yes. sides, front doors and rear of the box. Right. All have vents that can open and close. Yeah. And the back was a little bit of a tricky, tricky design because... If it's in the back and there's a center dog hole, I was just thinking more selfishly. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is climb into my bed to adjust the vent for the middle dog. So I'm like, I want to be able to adjust all the vents all at the same time on yeah. the back. So the the whole back is one sliding vent. So it's kind of a all or nothing for the dogs. Yeah. So it's either all the dogs get vent ventilation or none of the dogs get ventilation well, on the back. Which, I mean, I can't think of a scenario where you're like, oh, right. this dog needs vent. This, one, I mean, just right. either open them all or. <laughs> exactly. And it is only one of the vents that's, op, you know, that's offered. So if you needed to get a little bit more fine tuned with some of the dogs, you could adjust the sides or the front. Sure. Things like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the trickiest part was trying to figure out the slides. Yeah. And, and do it in a fast enough time frame that we could still get this to you. And, totally. 
get you up and running. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So super pumped. What, um, I guess, what's the, what does it look like for someone right now? Say, say they're, they're looking at a dog box, they want to pull the trigger on one of these. Like, what's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a rough timeline right now that yeah. you'd be looking at? So the standard two hole and, the, and now our standard three hole, which is the same one you have, um, those ones are probably four to six weeks um, from the time that you place your order to the time that we're shipping them. Shipping is a little bit of a um, an unknown variable just because you have to use all these different freight companies and shipping companies, and they all have different mm. processes and standard operating procedures and things like that. But typically, it's four to six weeks from the time you submit your order to the time that we're shipping it. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that window is just depending on what options you're getting and if you're getting a custom color. You know, if somebody's just getting like a black or a gray or a brown, more often than not, we probably have that color in stock. Sure. But um, there's nothing to say that you can't just go online and pick any crazy random <laughs> sure. super awesome color, but that would just add a little bit to the lead time because you'd have to get that in and sure. and then powder coat that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, four to six weeks. Okay, that's not bad at all. When no. you think about, I mean, a custom box like this, yep. that's that's a pretty good, pretty pretty darn good timeline. Yeah, and then obviously the sky's the limit. If you want to get really crazy and you have the budget to to design something really cool, or you want to get really funky and do a real custom design sure. then that would just be a, like we just yeah. chat individually and figure Added, out a good lead time at a time yeah 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 um this tan looks sweet man i that, love that, this color that tan and then the we, what flat black uh-huh. doors and all that yep yeah so your color i can't remember the exact color name but it's like a federal standard color so like yeah. um if some random shop was building signs for the government and they needed to match it's a certain kind of a, a universal yep, it's like yeah. a universal federal color and it looks so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's funny because like when you leave it raw aluminum, it looks really cool. But as soon as you paint it or yeah. powder coat it, whatever color you choose, instantly you're like, that's the exact color that it, we should have done. It adds just yes. some, dim- I don't know what it is, like add some dimension to yeah. it, like some character, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of classes it up. And, and personalizes it too. Yep. It's like, hey, everyone's got their their thing, their yeah. favorite whatever sports team or color yeah. pattern that they like. And so, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of components on the dog box that can be custom colored, you know, hinges, latches, you know, light hoods, doors, vents, yeah. all that stuff can be custom tailored to whatever you're trying to do. So if you yeah. wanted to do everything red and white for the Kansas city chiefs or whatever, right? <laughs> hey, like, no, Hey, no, let's not get crazy. The Denver Broncos. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think they sell those colors. <laughs> Nobody wants those. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, like if you, you could match it to your truck, you could match it to your, you know, whatever you wanted. So yeah. it gets really cool to be able to customize that. Totally. Yeah. It was, it was a fun process. I mean, yeah. We tried to match the, uh, the kind of the color on my podcast logo and I felt so bad for you because I kept like sending colors. <laughs> And I'm like, what do you think? Of that, that was this? the toughest. That was the toughest thing in the whole the whole process was just like me deciding, like, yeah, because it's just you know it's a big big deal. And yeah. so I was just thinking, I was like, all right, this color, this color, this flat, or have some sheen, and yeah, it was tricky. But I feel like as the business owner, like I need to offer that and I need to cater to that because this isn't like a cheap. Sure, you know, you're not going down to Cabela's and buying this dog box. Right, like it's kind of an investment. So. I owe it to the end user to say, let's make it as custom to you as we can. Totally. And making custom colors doesn't change the price. Like powder coat is sold by the pound. You know, certain colors might run a little bit higher, a little bit lower, but you know, average it all out. It's, it's all the same. So mine as well, like, you know, you're getting this box, you're putting an investment in, like, how can I make it even more special to you as the end user? Right. 
you know, and, yeah. it might end up in a couple of restless nights for the client trying to <laughs> right. decide. decide what yeah. color, but ultimately I think it gives a better product and totally. we really try to be kind of more of a boutique white glove, like, like I want to get to know you personally, like what are your, what kind of dogs are you running? What are sure. you doing? Like, you know, are you out in the woods or are out in the prairie? Like what colors do you want? Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's, let's really tailor it to you as much as possible instead of just dealing with some website and you got to place your order and yeah. here's your options and yep. tough luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was one thing, big things I appreciated, Ben, was, you know, right when we first started talking, it was like, okay, tell me about your dog's size. Um, like, to, and then, cause another big part for me was like the size of the compartments. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to really dial those in to yeah. like fit my Britney's well. And that again, so I appreciate that, that level of like attention. Cause it right. was like, I feel very confident in like these box sizes right. for their compartments. Right. Um, so more just a statement of like, well done on like just understanding the needs Thanks. of your customer. Because that's, again, when you're, when you're dropping, uh, when you're buying a dog box like this, like you want it to be kind of perfect. I know, right. I know this right. thing is perfect, but like as close to it as you can. Yeah. And it's, it's an investment. It's not, like I said, it's, it's not just like this, some plastic sure. crate that you get from, you know, Cabela's or Sportsman's. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with those if that's what you can afford. Sure. You know, anything's better than nothing. But when you do decide to step up and, you know, you want to get into this, you know, custom dog box world, there's a reason we call it custom. Like we totally. want you to feel like this is exactly what you wanted. Totally. You know, to fit inside your budget, you know, we try to tailor it as much to you as part as, yeah. as possible. Exactly. Did you say you're you're gonna build yourself a three hole? Yes. Okay. Yeah. After I built this one, about halfway <laughs> through, I was like, all right, I gotta build one. So it's pretty sweet. The main reason we're building the three hole is for our South Dakota trip because we're taking three dogs. Nice. And um, so I don't know if I'll keep it. I might try to do like a giveaway or a sure. raffle it off or auction it off, whatever. Or something because yeah. I personally don't have three dogs, so I don't need a three hole. Not yet, Ben. Not, Not yet. yet. Not yet. <laughs> don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. Famous last word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I and mean, what's one more short what's hair? More? I mean, come yeah. on. Seriously. <laughs> you got options. Yeah. Oh, well, dude, that's awesome. Um, I, I'm super excited to see, uh, seeing this company grow and seeing these boxes get into people's hands. Like that's, it's an exciting thing. I'm sure for you to yeah. be able to see that now from conception all the way through yeah. delivering boxes. That's gotta be a, be a good feeling. Yeah. I'm super excited to start seeing people post pictures about them and, you know, start giving me feedback on things that we can do better, things that they're liking, things that they're noticing that are, you know, overbuilt or underbuilt or, you know, yeah. any feedback's good. Any information. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, I'm, this was super fun to build yours. I'm super excited to see it, you know, yeah. loaded up with birds. And, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, can't. I'm trying to think what Blood my what my first uh, my first trip will be with it. We'll see. We'll see yeah. what we got. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe back to Bluegrass. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, do it. Or or back to Nebraska. Try my luck in Nebraska again. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if it goes better this time. Yeah, and I hope people don't baby these. I hope that they yeah. they put them through the ringer. Like totally, be rough with them. Um. Anytime you do a, a custom color, I'll go get um, like a spray can of that color. Yeah, that's nice. Matched. Little touch-ups. Yep. So, you know, be hard on them and touch them up. And when things break, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll <laughs> send you replacement parts. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Love this customer service. That's that's the name of the game, I feel, with, with <laughs> yeah. the companies that, that I like working with. I'm sure same for you, but yeah. Um, Customer service is huge. It really huge is. Part. You could have the best product in the world, but yeah. if you don't if you can't treat get a, your... Well, if you can't get a hold of the company first off, yeah. that's, <laughs> yes. that's, that's first bad news. Right, right. So, but 
That's Everybody awesome. wants to do do business with somebody that they feel like they they could be friends with. Yeah. So that's the name of the game is like, totally. you know, the, from the first time somebody calls me, it's like, sweet, what kind of dogs do you have? Like, what are you sure. hunting? Like, where are you at? Like, let's get to know each other. And totally. then, okay, now I kind of see like what your needs are. Let's talk what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So. Would, uh, again, best process for someone to get a box? If, if they want a custom box, best to reach out to you directly, yeah. go through the website. What's that look yeah, like? Yeah, you can email me. There's the email on the on the Instagram page or the website. I can't remember. But you can email me. You can DM me on Instagram. Um, and then my phone number, I think, is on there as well. Okay. Feel free to call or text. Sweet. So that's awesome. It's just my personal cell phone. Yeah, so love it. It's going to go right to you. Send it to all the we're gonna, spammers. We're going to test it out right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, this has been awesome. Um, we are we have a couple more things as we yeah. kind of wrap up here. I love asking a couple questions to yeah. each guest and as we kind of close uh, close this episode out. Um, so thinking about the, the the rookie upland hunter out there, maybe someone who is heading into their first season, um, what's a piece of advice that you would give them as they head into their you know first season 2022? That's a great one. Um, it sounds super corny and it sounds like I'm I'm dismissing it, but just have fun. Hmm. Like it would almost be robbing them of the experience of finding how to hunt if you just told them. Sure. If you told them what to look for specifically or what side of the face to hunt. But the big thing is if, if you're interested in it, just go have fun. Hmm. Um, nothing beats just you know, boots on the ground, just go out and walk, yeah. take your dog out, find a spot, see what happens. Totally. And then, um, I guess the one piece of information would be to, to journal, to write stuff down. Yeah. You said you mentioned you, yeah. you're doing this past year, right? Yeah. And that was actually, um, way more beneficial than I thought it would be. Nice. Um, it was, it started out as mostly just a way for me to track like what birds we saw and how many miles we did, but I started writing down just different notes, what side of the mountain I was facing or hunting on or you know, what foliage I was seeing, what kind of habitat I was in, um, whether we saw stuff or not. Sure. Your, your temperature, weather, yep. hot dog work. Elevation. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I'm curious, are you doing that like right when you get back to the truck or when you get home that night, a couple of days later, what's yes, been your, all of what's that. worked? <laughs> yeah. Um, so typically when I get back to the truck, I will take a picture with my phone of the Garmin showing how many okay. miles we did. That way, if I forget and I clear it, yeah. I at least have that. And then um, most of the stuff I remember. So even if it's a sure. couple of days, I remember where I was hunting. I remember, you know, I can pull it up on Onyx and sure. see where the elevation was. I can see what side of the mountain we were hunting. And, you know, obviously I'll remember if we saw birds or not. Sure. So. Yeah. That'll stand out in your mind. Yeah. Right? That's good. No, that's so. good, man. I like that. I, I, that's not corny at all. I think having fun, I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm guilty of it too sometimes. Like, almost taking it too serious sometimes. Right. Like, right. get so in the zone, like, oh, I didn't see birds. And you get frustrated. Like, yeah having fun with it too. Like this is, that's why we started it all right. too. So right. I, mean, I love that. All right, brother, a couple rapid fire questions as we close this thing up and uh, we'll go from there. Right. Sweet. Cool. Um, all right. First one, Ben, uh, for you, what came first, the dog, the gun or the bird? Oh, for sure. The dog dog. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what sucked you in. Yeah. I wanted a dog and it was a way to justify it. It was uh, yeah. going to be a hunting dog. Yeah. So, <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Easy sell. Um, ben, what gun are you carrying into the field or on the mountain and why? Um, I don't know why, but I've always gra uh, gravitated towards Winchesters. Okay. So all my shotguns, pumps, semis, they're all they're all Winchesters. Okay, nice. Except I did pick up a, a CZ over-under this year. Oh, nice. Yep. Oh, very but, cool. Yeah, Winchester. Okay. Is that your first over-under the CZ? It is. Okay. Yep. And 
it is a learning curve. Okay. <laughs> it is not the same. <laughs> I bet for sure. That's, yeah. uh, I mean, they're, they're fun. They're fun once you get they're used so to them. Cool. Cause I yeah. just, I mean, gosh, I just got my first over under three years ago. So I've yeah. been shooting them that long either. And yeah, it was, it was like, oh wait, <laughs> this yeah. is different. It just Two feels barrels, different. How do yeah. you aim? Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was almost like a mental thing, not having that third shell. Yes. And now it's fine. I'm like, right. well, I'd love just having two shells. But like at first that was such a mental, like, oh, this is such a bummer. I only have two <laughs> shells. Like it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> right. Uh, I enjoy it. But um, all right. Uh, favorite dog breed besides the ones you own? Yes. Um, all of them. <laughs> I tell my wife, I'm like, let's just move to the country and we will get all the dogs. Just, just all every, of them. every one of them. Um, kind of like a Noah's Ark type thing or two of each or <laughs> like a hundred of okay. each. Um, I really like Gordon setters. I think those oh, look okay. super cool. Okay. Um, and then I've always had a soft spot for Cocker Spaniels. Mm, so okay. that one might be our next dog. I was going to ask, which yeah. out of those two, which do you foresee yourself owning next? And yeah, the Cocker. Yeah. Yeah, for those sure. Those things are freaking cool. They're so I could fun. feel like three of them in those, in those compartments. <laughs> yeah, especially, um, so Fetching Feathers, Anthony. Yeah. He's got that little... Uh, yeah, rowdy dog. Yeah. Yeah. He posts pictures of that dog all the time. And I'm like, gosh, dang. It's a cool dog. Like, I need to just drive out there and steal that dog. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, if you're listening, don't worry. I'll send Ben on his yeah, way back yeah. to Utah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, those are, yeah, those are cool dogs. I like Cocker, dogs a lot. Cocker craze, I call it right now. Yeah. It's, it's someone, someone posted something the other day. They're like the, the cutest, uh, the cutest, uh, oh gosh, what's the term? Like, uh, fad right now in, in Upland Honey oh, is right. like a Cocker right now. Is it's it? Like, oh, it's man. just like this, it's, it, well, they're cool though. I yeah. mean, they're like all the rage right now. And they're so cool. They're cool though. Kind of a versatile dog too. So, yeah. Um, a couple quick ones here. Um, most clays you've ever hit in a row. Ooh. Um, okay. That's a tough one. If this is the first year that I've actually done like sporting clays, okay. like gone to a, um, like a course. Sure. And that had a huge learning curve. Oh, sure. So I think like the most I'd ever hit consecutively in that is like six. Okay. Hey, not bad. And that's a lie because it's probably one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at least you're honest about it (laughs) yeah but um if we're just talking like just those little red hand throwers um when we were in high school me and my buddy we would skip school like like all the time like i got in trouble like how much are we talking (laughs) so my junior year um towards the end of the year i got pulled into the principal's office and they were like you've missed more school than you've attended oh gosh uh oh I was like, sweet. Oh, awesome. That's a win. <laughs> no, but uh, when we were seniors, we used to go sell plasma. So we, we'd go skip school. We'd go sell plasma. And at the time, you could get like 50 bucks. Okay. Like you go sell your plasma for 50 bucks. And then me and my buddy would go both do it. So we'd get 100 bucks. And we'd yeah. go buy 100 shells. And we'd buy a box of clays. <laughs> nice. And we'd drive out. Get all the, the math desert. worked out. Yeah. And we did that so often. And it became so second nature that we got up to like you'd hit 98 oh, out of 100 <laughs> because like you just couldn't put enough um variance sure. in it throwing was just those so plays. consistent yeah and then we started to like figure out that if you turn the thrower upside down or did it backwards or you know you did like a big overhand throw or yeah. turn the clays upside down you could start to get things a little bit <laughs> okay, crazy okay. or something like that but but yeah realistically probably like 10 in a row. Yeah. I love it. Love it, man. Um, All right. This is a little curveball question I'm going to throw you. Uh, Okay. Thinking about your dog boxes. Yeah. What is one feature that you could not live without? 
One mm. one component, one thing about this dog box. If, if you if you had to keep it, what would it be? <laughs> the floodlights. Floodlights. I use okay. those all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, it started out as just like, hey, let's add a feature. Yeah. But that turned into like you're using it a this lot. This is what I use the most. Yeah. Yeah. Aside <laughs> from it. the actual compartment to hold your dog, that's the feature that I use the most. Love it. Love it. Uh, two more here. Yeah. Uh, Fantasy hunt. Uh, where at? What bird? With who? And you could only bring one dog. Oh, Alaska ptarmigan. That's been on the list for years. Okay. Um, and then probably my wife. Okay. Um, I don't know if she'd ever agree to it. But hey. But uh, <laughs> if I got my fantasy hunt, she would come. Okay. You know, kicking and screaming, she'd come. <laughs> Wait, is your fantasy hunt? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not hers. Don't ruin my trip. <laughs> and then you can only bring one dog. Um, probably Otto. My Otto. dog, my male. Okay. Yep. Oh, I feel bad for the younger one now. <laughs> yeah. She's got to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Show me something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last one. Beverage of choice after a hunt. Oh, the white Red Bull. White. Is that what that is right there? Yeah. Oh my God. I've never even seen one of those. They're the best. Really? Yeah. Why? What makes them so good? Um, I don't know. <laughs> the best. I okay. know Matt was talking about his, his rock stars. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's just trash. That's trash, Matt. <laughs> Stay yeah, we don't up. we don't want to start any fights yeah. here. Okay, <laughs> let's let's keep it uh, <laughs> let's keep it G. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be curious. I haven't had a Red Bull in probably six or seven years. Yeah, but start. Yeah, no, I won't. Not I good just for you. go with my black coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, no argument that they're not good for you. Oh, 100. No, I'm sure coffee isn't either. It's all going to give us cancer. Coffee's way more healthy yeah. than a Red Bull. That's for sure. There's no <laughs> argument there. Probably, yeah. probably. <laughs> but yeah, that's my, that's my crack. Oh, that's, that's awesome. My drug of choice. Uh, that's what got you out here so quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Well, Ben, this has been a blast, man. Um, I appreciate you. It's been so much fun um, getting to know you in this setting here uh, during the podcast, but yeah. also just over the last several months. Um, I know you are a supporter of the podcast, so thank you for that. And just uh, your continued uh, support of the show and uh, just for carving out some time to bring this box out here and uh, sit down with me for a little bit. Dude, happy. I I have been a huge fan of your podcast since like episode like three or something. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, I love everything you're doing. I love the, the idea of like the Upland rookie, the fact that like no matter how much experience you have, you always have something to learn. But then the flip side to that is there's always somebody else that's starting and, you know, there's enough birds for everyone. There's sure. there's enough, you know, cover to go around. So, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I've loved your podcast. Yeah. I love everything you're doing. That everything you stand for. So well, thank you. Good dude. I appreciate that, man. Um, all right. Last thing, kind of what's the best way for people to connect with you, learn more about the boxes, stay in touch, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, we try to be pretty, um, active on social media. So we have the, the Instagram B pro kennels, um, the website be kennels.com. And then you can, from there, you can get my email or my cell phone. Feel free to call, text, email, whatever's easier. Um, if I don't get back to you, leave a voicemail, I'll get right back to you. Cool. Um, but yeah. Okay. Pretty, However you want to reach easy. out. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we are in 2022. So yeah. it's, it's pretty easy to find someone these yep. days. Yep. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know we got an annoying fly here in my garage. So we're <laughs> trying to dodge this, this massive thing, but, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, brother, we'll talk to you soon. And, uh, thanks for sitting down with us. Thanks, man. And that's a wrap of episode 62 with Ben Proctor of B Pro Kennels. 
Ben, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you so much for uh, for driving that box all the way out to Denver for me. Uh, man, you're making some badass dog boxes, and uh, the attention to the detail and quality uh, that you've put in to these boxes, uh, it shows, man. It shows in uh, what you've built, and it's something you should be proud of. Um, thanks for your support and friendship. Uh, thanks for your support of the podcast. It's meant a lot to me, and uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, man. So thank you. All right, guys, uh, that's pretty much everything for today. Uh, be sure to share the episode with a friend on social media. Uh, tag the Up on Rookie podcast. Leave a rating and review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Would love to uh, kind of get to that 200 mark here. Uh, we're pretty close. I haven't looked in a little while. Um, we'll need to see where we're at, but uh, we'll do some kind of cool giveaway uh, once we hit 200 reviews on Apple podcast uh check out youtube facebook all that good stuff and uh yeah that's about it guys uh get your hat orders in if you would like an upland rookie hat uh just shoot me a message or email and then uh, we'll work out the details uh from there um other than that i think that's about everything guys um yeah get patreon we got another month of patreon giveaways happening uh so stay tuned for that get signed up for five bucks a month if you just want to support the show awesome if you're in it for the prizes and giveaways awesome as well so whatever works for you uh i'm not offended either way (laughs) so all right guys i think that's about it i hope everyone's doing well having a great start to your fall and until next time put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog take care